How are you doing? Uh, good morning, Susan. Thank you for hosting this podcast. Uh, so, yeah, exhausted uh, mentally and physically being on the front lines for the last three weeks in the middle of this epidemic, pandemic that's evolved in New York and specifically in Westchester County. So at this point of time, uh, directly seeing and managing and treating uh, patients at two community hospitals in Westchester County, which are jam-packed with COVID-19 patients. So just to give you an idea, mm-hmm. I have seen more than 200 different patients over the last two and a half to three weeks at these two hospitals. And it's been, uh, it's, it's, it's a very, very tiring process, both mentally and physically, for one. And uh, I have seen, I think, the entire spectrum of this disease in the last three and a half weeks, or two and a half to three weeks. Uh, it's been a pretty remarkable experience, and uh, I've never seen anything like it. I now characterize it as a war zone. Yeah. And I think of myself as a war veteran. <laughs> it's yeah. strange. I never thought as a doctor I would be in a war zone uh, in, in my own country where I live and practice. My conversation this week with Dr. Morjani was a harrowing one. The chilling truth with what he faced and continues to face with COVID-19 was striking. Dr. Morjani is an infectious disease specialist and is currently at the front line in Westchester County, New York. New York is currently the epicenter for COVID-19 in the U.S. Westchester County is about 25 miles away from New York City. New York City and its surrounding areas are known for its fabulous fashion, beautiful Broadway shows, delicious food. The city never sleeps. These days, it's eerily silent. Only the sounds of ambulances are heard. None of us know when this pandemic will end. What we do know is we are all eager for solutions. Recently, There have been numerous discussions about the use of hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine in treating COVID-19. They have ranged from enthusiastic to worrisome. As the pandemic continues and the number of deaths continues to rise, the situation continues to remain challenging. Join me on my conversation with Dr. Morjani as he shares his clinical experience, clinical pearls, and his first-hand experience in using hydroxychloroquine for treatment of COVID-19. I'm Dr. Susan Rashid, your host for Secrets of Survival.
and um, and the disease is still evolving. It's frightening and it's disturbing that amount of loss. The undeniable truth here is that this virus is a deadly enemy and we will lose and we are losing people who are vulnerable to the virus. Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, along with the first responders and healthcare providers, such as Dr. Morjani, are battling with the chaotic surge of patients needing medical care for COVID-19. This public health crisis has placed an enormous stress on our healthcare system and is being tested to the max. In honor of the first responders and healthcare workers, the iconic Empire State Building will glow red heartbeat lights during this pandemic. Once again, I commend you for your courage and your bravery and being at the front line during this pandemic. And your experience, I'm sure, is it's going to be with you for life and it's going to be enriching for all the other doctors and clinicians that are bracing for this pandemic that will hit their community at any time. So let's go ahead and why don't you go ahead and share with us the clinical pearls in regards to diagnosing and managing the patient with COVID-19 and then we can go into the outpatient setting and the hospital setting. Okay, so from a diagnosis perspective, we are very we've moved forward quite a lot. We now have testing available at the hospital level, at the outpatient level, at a drive-through level, mm-hmm. and in Westchester County. And it's uh, freely available for those that are symptomatic and are under the care of a provider. So testing and uh, the testing has also become very rapid. The turnaround times have now become less than 24 hours. Okay. And so that has helped us diagnose people, treat people, and do quarantine and and isolation as needed in an attempt to slow down this epidemic. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is the treatment and the clinical pearls from our very early experience over the last three weeks treating more than 200 patients. It's pretty clear to me that early treatment in the first five to six days of symptoms, mm-hmm. once the symptoms start, you have five to six days to intervene. And that's when the virus is just attacked the human body. It's sitting in the oropharyngeal mucosa. It's multiplying there and it's spreading, trying to spread to the lungs. It may or may not have. Some people progress faster, some people progress slower, but on average, the medium, t- medium time, uh, after the patient is symptomatic, is about four to five days, six days before it gets into the lungs. And that, I think, is the key time to intervene. If you intervene at that time, in that setting, and if you start the patients on this combination of hydroxychloroquine and zithromax, in our anecdotal experience, which we have not yet tabulated and, and put together and analyzed yet, but Early experience suggests that people treated early in that symptomatic phase in the first four or five days do very, very well. They recover fast, they go home, they're afebrile, and uh, they can go back to their normal life after they have tested negative with negative PCRs. Um, Or if they're asymptomatic, three days without fever, they can go back to work with a mask if they they have to go out or they can work from home. But most importantly, their health starts to improve. They don't get you know, 
washed out, so to say, from this virus and this infection, and they can go about their life. So that's one part. Mm-hmm. Patients who present late, late into the illness, and who are started on treatment, whether it's hydroxychloroquine, Bitromax combination, or uh, whatever else the people are doing, uh, I think don't do as well. Uh, and the ones that are actually doing very poorly, who are getting ventilated, and then uh, the very low death rate that we are seeing, are the ones who are elderly with comorbid illnesses and who present very late into the illness. So out of the 200 plus patients, we've seen three deaths, then these are only hospitalized 200 plus patients. There's more than four, four to 500 patients that we have not even admitted and we have sent home without any treatment. We have not seen, at least in the first three weeks, any uh, of those patients uh, doing poorly. Some have relapsed and come back and have been treated, but they have all been released. Uh, so it's interesting to see that this disease uh, wrecks havoc in those who are older uh, and those who are weak and frail. And so it's important to understand, I think these, this is a very important clinical pearl. If patients who are vented, so currently we, I think we have seven patients on a ventilator in the ICU. And this is, you know, a 120-bed hospital, one of the community hospitals I go to. Mm-hmm. So our ventilator rate is a little bit low compared to what other people in New York City are reporting. And I think that's because we've been very aggressive at treating people with hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin combination. The moment they arrive in the ER uh, and they are admitted, they are started on this protocol. Okay. Uh, we are not waiting, waiting to see progression. We are not waiting to see you know, worsening infiltrates. So our protocol from the very beginning has been very different. We started early. We had enough supply of hydroxychloroquine way before anybody else was thinking of treating. And uh, I think it has it has sort of given us a, a little bit of a different experience. We are in the process of tabulating all this data, analyzing it, and then hoping to share it with everybody else. And we hope that my impressions are validated by the data analysis that will occur. Chloroquine, which is chemically similar to hydroxychloroquine, has been used to treat malaria since World War II. These anti-malarial drugs can be used to prevent and treat malaria. These medications are also used to treat autoimmune diseases such as lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Recently, French researchers released promising results in treating COVID-19, which will appear in the International Journal of Antimicrobial Agents. The study performed an open-label, non-randomized clinical trial with a sample size of 20 patients affected by COVID-19. The study had found a significant reduction of the COVID-19 viral load when a combination of hydroxychloroquine is used with azithromycin. And I think it's going to be very exciting. I think it could be a game changer, and maybe not, and maybe not, but I think it could be, based on what I see, it could be a game changer. Very powerful. They're very powerful. We believe these therapeutics and others under evaluation right now will be able to provide relief to many Americans. We really hope that's going to be. This could be a a tremendous breakthrough, tremendous breakthrough. U.S. President Trump has praised the use of both anti-malarial drugs in combating COVID-19. 
Due to the current public health crisis, the FDA has issued on Sunday, March 29, 2020, an emergency authorization for experimental coronavirus treatments using chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. The FDA is currently conducting clinical trials in New York with the use of anti-malarial drugs in combating COVID-19. Clinical trials are imperative to validate drug effectiveness. Doctors are facing a delicate balance when providing anti-malarial drugs for treatment. The delicate balance is between giving a promising drug with the hope that it will be effective from anecdotal evidence versus clear scientific evidence from randomized clinical trials that assures drug effectiveness. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease and currently a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, shares his expertise advice regarding the use of anti-malarial drugs for treatment of COVID-19. So when you have approved drugs that physicians have the option in a decision between the physician and the patient, are you going to use a drug that someone says from an anecdotal standpoint, not completely proven, but might have some effect? There are those who lean to the point of giving hope and saying, give that person the option of having access to that drug. And then you have the other group, which is my job as a scientist, to say my job is to ultimately prove without a doubt that a drug is not only safe, but that it actually works. Those two things are really not incompatible when you think about that, particularly when you're in an arena where you don't have anything that's proven. The dosing of hydroxychloroquine and uh, zithromaxacin is something that's controversial. What we are doing is a dose of 800 to 1200 milligrams loading on day one of hydroxychloroquine and then 400 a day after that. It's 200 PID uh-huh. uh, for five more days. So total duration of six days. Zithromax is, of course, 500 milligrams IV loading and then 250 a day mm-hmm. for the next uh, four days. So total five days of Zithromax. We are monitoring the QT interval. If the QT interval is more than 500, we are either not initiating this protocol or we are stopping the protocol if the patient is on it. So far, we have not had to do this in more than 100-odd patients that we have put on this treatment protocol with hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax. Okay. Beautiful, doctor. Thank you. I The only thing that I just wanted to ask about the protocol was in the very beginning. Who gets admitted? Because it looks like who gets admitted gets to start the protocol. What are the criteria, basically, for someone to be admitted? Because you're not admitting based on whether they're COVID-19 positive. You're admitting based on other criteria. Would you share that? Like, how would one patient get admitted versus the other one not getting admitted? Okay, so we offer admission to anybody above the age of 60, anybody with the A gradient of more than 40, anybody that has evidence of any other organ failure other than the lungs, anybody that has comorbid illnesses that are associated with poor prognostic signs, and anybody that has returned to the ER after being sent back saying that they are progressively worse, so progressive illness. So it's a clinical judgment. Uh, It's not a hard and fast rule. And uh, the only uh, thing is we offer treatment to everybody that is admitted. We don't say we are going to watch you. We offer it, and 99.9% of patients, I can tell you, there's only one patient who has 
said, no, she wants to think about the Plaquenil out of the 200 plus that we have offered it to. Uh, and then, uh, and then we start and then we already have more than, you know, a hundred plus patients that have finished this protocol, which is what I referred to earlier on in the podcast. So doctor, the ones that get discharged home, do they get a prescription for chloroquine or an, um, hydroxychloroquine with the z to take at home? Is that something that... So that's, yeah, so that's a great question. So what we are doing is we have a um, six-day protocol for hydroxychloroquine, but that's only for inpatient use. Once the patient is deemed stable for discharge, whether it's one day, two days, three days, four days, five days, or six days, they go home to finish just the five-day course of azithromycin. We are not finishing the course of hydroxychloroquine on an outpatient basis. And the rationale for that is very simple. Once the patient has improved and is going home, their immune system is the one that's going to clear that virus from everywhere. Hydroxychloroquine, the purpose of giving hydroxychloroquine is to reduce the initial attack on the human body in the lungs by this virus. So if hydroxychloroquine works and it stops the virus from multiplying, it allows the immune system to gain the upper hand. Once the immune system has gained an upper hand, I think the value of hydroxychloroquine is minimal. So we are using inpatient hydroxychloroquine. So we are using oral and we are using NG tubes in ventilated patients okay. uh, to give it enterically. Zithromax, we finished the five-day course, 500 milligrams loading in four days. Even if the patient goes home, we do give them a prescription to finish the five-day course of Zithromax. We believe that Zithromax does not have direct effect on the virus. We believe the effect of Zithromax is probably on down-regulation of the receptors that the virus attaches to. And that is why I think the combination of hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax works. This is by no means science. This is just my personal opinion. This still needs to be validated, studied, to see how exactly this combination of hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax works. We know how hydroxychloroquine works, but we don't know what the nuances of that are. So the other thing we are doing is we are going up, we are doing a loading dose of 800 to 1200. And the 1200 dose is given to people who have much severe disease, which we define with high A gradients and people with multifocal infiltrates. So people who have A gradients of more than 100, people who have multifocal disease and require a non-rebuilding mask or a CPAP, Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are getting the 1,200 milligram loading dose of hydroxychloroquine. And people who are obese, people who are more than 100 kilograms, mm-hmm. are getting uh, hydroxychloroquine 1,200. This is based on a pharmacokinetic analysis of hydroxychloroquine, epithelial fluid lining levels, uh, which we looked at and we said, this is what we are going to do. So you can see that, you know, there's a huge variation in various protocols in the various systems, healthcare systems that exist in New York. Which one is right, nobody knows. Right. But we have found, uh, I think in our own opinion right now, in the early stages, very good success rates with this intervention protocol that we have. Okay, so doctor, the first day, um, it could be between 800 to 1,200 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine and then for the following, and that's the first day, and then the following, 
is it five or six days that they just get the 400 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine? Five days. Five days total. So this yeah, is so it. five days. Yeah. Okay. So a total of six days. Of total six. Okay. If they stay in the hospital, if they are discharged, they don't complete the six days. Okay. They just get home. They just get a Z pack to go home. So that's correct. Why has there been this wave of um, excitement and and success with um, various countries throughout the world using this to treat their patients? What is the uh, chemical properties of the medication that is successful in combating? the COVID-19 virus? So hydroxychloroquine is Plaquenil, which has been used for years uh, for treatment of rheumatoid arthritis and uh, lupus in uh, various different settings. Uh, hydroxychloroquine is also related to the drug chloroquine, which has been used as an anti-malarial mm-hmm. for many years before chloroquine resistance became uh, worldwide. So, uh, you know, there's been enough experience. It's available generically. It's a compound that actually gets uh, very good levels in the epithelial lining fluid where this virus does most of its damage. So the Chinese experience with hydroxychloroquine then the French experience and the South Korean experience all pointed to positive effects of treating patients with hydroxychloroquine uh, with coronavirus pneumonia. And But having said that, those are all at best anecdotal reports. This was not done in a clinical clinical trial setting. It was not compared to other interventions. The French actually published a very small study of a couple of dozen people uh, where people were given, a few patients were given hydroxychloroquine azithromycin protocol and they had PCR testing done on a daily basis. And they showed that this combination of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin cleared the PCR uh, in much more rapidly than with no treatment or with hydroxychloroquine alone. Now, that study was flawed because patients who went to the ICU and patients who refused treatment uh, in between after having started were not including it in that analysis. Having said that, you know, when you look at hydroxychloroquine, it does stop the virus from multiplying. It stops the virus from getting into the ACE2 receptor cell where it attaches to. So it prevents that attachment, it prevents the internalization of the virus. So it does have virucidal properties, at least on a cell culture. It's been shown it has levels that can be achieved in the lung, which are enough to suppress this virus from multiplying. Whether it actually works or not, nobody knows yet, but those studies are ongoing. And so that's hydroxychloroquine, and you have to you have to then do pharmacokinetic modeling, which has been done, to see how much dosing you have to give to get those suppressive levels, virucidal levels, into the lung and kill this virus and allow the immune system to win the, the war, so to say. Azithromycin does not have any direct virucidal activity. Azithromycin, as I said before, possibly acts synergistically or additively by down-regulating the ACE2 receptor, which the virus uses to get into the cell, which it then destroys and causes havoc and damage at the organ system level. So that's the mechanism of action. I believe it remains to be elucidated. It remains to be studied. Whether it turns out to be the truth or not, only time will tell. The drugs do have side effects. Hydroxychloroquine does have cardiotoxicity. It can prolong the QT, and people who have prolonged QT intervals can die of ventricular arrhythmias, cardiomyopathy and cardiac toxicity has been observed. 
liver toxicity has been observed. The good thing is it's very rare and we are monitoring for these toxicities. And if we see evidence of these toxicities, we will stop these medications because then the risk-benefit analysis that goes on on a daily basis or more than or on sometimes two, three times a day basis then shifts towards risk and then we stop the medication. So a clinical trial to understand the nuances of this intervention is absolutely necessary. And so I applaud Governor Como for launching that trial on a statewide basis to try and address and answer some of these questions. Yes, and so it would be prudent that the cardiac monitoring is initiated if the patient is started on hydroxychloroquine in a hospital setting. So uh, thank you for sharing that because both of these medications can prolong the QT interval. Are there any other side effects we need to be aware of with hydroxychloroquine besides the potential cardio cardiac toxicity? So aside from cardiotoxicity and hepatotoxicity, occasionally you can get some GI side effects but all those are relatively minor compared to those two big ones. The same team of French experts also performed a follow-up observational study using a combination of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin with a sample size of 80 patients affected by COVID-19. This study also showed promising results. A luminous light of hope is instilled when you hear a glimmer of promise during these uncertain times. Doctors and scientists rapidly racing around the globe are faced with giving treatment that has promise, but not enough scientific data. It is a delicate balance that they face. And at the same token, we all are facing this. With the massive efforts in social distancing as a tool for mitigation, we sacrifice our economy. We relax our efforts in social distancing, we improve our economy, but we risk having another crisis with COVID-19, and we become even more vulnerable. In many ways, life and death has always been a delicate balance. One day all is well, and the next day it is the complete opposite. It makes you appreciate what is truly valuable in life. These are bleak, lonely days that have passed and we are bracing for more on the way. As worrisome as we all are of our health, our economy, our loved ones, one day this too shall pass. One day we will have a wealth of information, knowledge, stories, and memories that will remain within us and we will be far superior because of it. faced challenges before. This one is different. This time we join with all nations across the globe in a common endeavor, using the great advances of science and our instinctive compassion to heal. We will succeed, and that success will belong to every one of us. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, Better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. That is Her Majesty, the Queen, saying it the best for the world to hear at exactly the right time during this crisis. I will have more coverage on this ever-evolving situation. For more information, 
please check out the episode notes, audio transcript, follow me at Secrets SOS, and email me at secretsofsurvivalmedicine at gmail.com. I'm Dr. Susan Rashid, your host for Secrets of Survival.